Welcome to Cryptobiography. I'm your host, Brandon Starr. This is episode 350 of Cryptobiography, and it's part two of The Free Censor. And here we go. After a few more days of wrestling with these and related problems, he finally noticed something. Paul, his roommate, was being extra quiet. Paul had always been the most vocal person Thomas had ever run into, so it seemed strange when Paul was in their room with him, yet not jabbering at him, or indeed to himself, or to an invisible other person. Thomas had been so absorbed that it had really taken a few days, but at last he noticed that Paul's quiet, which was a great relief at first, continued far beyond what he could hope for. He started sneaking looks over at Paul. His roommate was reading. This had not changed for days. As he thought back, every time he had looked over at Paul, he had been reading. But Paul just wasn't that assiduous a student. So what was he reading? He could ask. But every time he stood up, he noticed how that Paul would, now that Paul would subtly move so that his book was not really visible to Thomas under the crook of his arm, he would have to find out some other way. Thomas went into a long game of chicken, one to which he was well suited. He read and wrote and worked on his essay, though now always with half an eye looking out for movement from Paul. Eventually, Paul would have to go eat or go to sleep or something. He hoped that would give him its chance. That didn't seem to be the case. When Paul went to eat, he packed the book in his bag and brought it with him. When he fell asleep, he hid it between his bed and the wall where Thomas had no access to it. But about a week later, he got a chance. Paul fell asleep at his desk, still with his book, but not completely covered. Not when Thomas could now walk over and get whatever angle he needed in order to get a peek. It was a book he had heard of, 1984. There were no versions of them, censored or no, that were available to read. Thomas was shocked. What was Paul thinking? He went back to his desk and thought. If Paul was caught with that book, he would be punished. No one was sure what the punishment was for reading a forbidden book, only that the student was taken out of school and no one saw them again. The punishments for wrong thinking were always harsher than for those for wrongdoing, at least when the wrongdoing did not include any wrong thinking. And that was Tom's difficulty. Often, if someone knew about wrong thinking but didn't report it, punishment was also given to those who had not said anything. And this meant he was now implicated in what Paul had been doing. If Paul's book was found, it was likely that the authorities would believe he had known about it, could not have not known about it, and perhaps had even read it himself. He hadn't, of course. Just the title, which is printed at the top of the page, and was one of the only parts visible. But he found that his heart was beating hard. He was so close to graduating, so close to proving to the great change society that he was worthy to join their ranks. He couldn't fail now. Incrimination with his roommate's error would leave him forever tainted by it, 
reduced to the lowest strata of society. He knew what he had to do. He told Mary Twelve, his advisor, about what Paul was doing. The gray-haired woman looked at him levelly. This is a serious charge. Are you sure? Tom shrugged. He's been reading something and hiding what it was from me, and I only saw the title once last night when he was sleeping at his desk with it under his arms. In fact, he added, an uncomfortable possibility rising in his mind, since I haven't actually seen the book, just the title on the top of the page, I suppose I could be wrong. Maybe he's doing something else. Though I can't imagine what that would be, he added. He isn't the sort to pull pranks, especially elaborate ones. Put it out of your mind, Twelve said. You did the right thing. I will pass this along to the right people, and they will make sure Paul is not doing anything he shouldn't. Tom nodded, got permission to leave, and went back to his room. The next day, after a lecture, he returned to his room, but it had changed. All of Paul's items were gone, the whole side of the room not just emptied, but cleaned, and Paul was gone. He could tell that his side of the room had also been checked. It had been done subtly, but thoroughly. Tom could tell that his items had been taken out, right down to his socks and underwear, checked, and refolded in almost exactly the same way he had done them. But not quite, he could tell, and he knew that a few items had been put back in his drawer in a different order. Not by much, but he could tell. He still marveled at the professionalism of it. If he had not paid attention to his environment, he wouldn't have been able to tell that anything had happened to his belongings. It was strange being without Paul. Paul he never saw again, and no one else saw either, based on the conversations that were whispered around him for the next weeks and months. His essay continued, and Mary Twelve was very pleased with it. He'd expected another student to replace Paul as his roommate, but it never happened. Instead, he finished the year with no roommate, and then graduated. He needed to make his way in society. He looked around for work, but after a few months, something happened that solved his problem. And that's the end of the story for this time. I hope you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying writing it. If you have any comments or questions about this episode or previous episodes, cryptobiography at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook X or Mastodon. And thank you for listening. Words of Music Copyright, Brandon Starr, 2024, all rights reserved, characters and events are fictional, fictionalized, or satirical. <laughs>